All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode eight of So Let's Talk Horror. I'm your host, Chris McAfee, and this week we're going to kick off the episode with some notable news updates before we jump into our movie review. So first, we have a highlight from the world of Creepshow. A new paperback novel has been recently released by Scholastic, which features two new frightening Creepshow tales authored by Ellie Cooper that's inspired by the new Shudder Anthology TV series based on the 1982 horror classic. The paperback titled Creepshow, The Taker, is now available and was available as of September 1st, 2020. I had pre-ordered my copy over at Amazon, definitely a longtime fan of the Creepshow title and always excited to get new additional content in any shape or form. Next, we have a huge new home video release update for this week in the Alfred Hitchcock Classics Collection from Universal. So we have a brand new 4K Ultra HD set compiling Hitchcock Classics, Psycho, The Birds, Rear Window, my favorite, and Vertigo. It's currently available and has been since its release September 8th, 2020, notably including an original uncut version of horror classic Psycho. This version of the film has been previously released on home video for the first time in Germany in 2018. The uncut version includes bits of footage that were ultimately cut from the film originally. An excerpt provided by Universal states, This collection with collectible uh, disc book packaging includes hours of bonus features such as documentaries, expert commentaries, interviews, screen tests, and much more. It's currently available at Amazon.com as well. All right, so that wraps up our notable news updates, and I'm going to jump into this week's highlighted movie title, The Lodge. So this one was brought to us by Neon and was released in 2019, so fairly new film. And I'm going to jump into the overview of the film then. Uh, Aiden is played by It stars Jade Martell and Mia, Leah McHugh, are struggling with their current family dynamic after having recently lost their mother, Laura, tragically, played by Alicia Silverstone. Their father, Richard, uh, played by Richard Armitage, is a writer and had separated from Laura for a much younger woman in Grace Marshall, played by the very talented Riley Keough, a woman he had met researching a book about a fundamentalist Christian cult. So one afternoon, Richard finally breaks the big news to Laura that he plans to marry Grace. Shelled, Laura promptly leaves and wants back at her residence, sits calmly down to a newly poured glass of wine, then pulls a gun from her purse and takes her own life. Whew. Yeah. So fast forward six months and we have two devastated children confronted by their father about the holiday season. He has suggested in a semi-forceful announcement about the need for a family retreat for an extended stay at their very well-appointed cabin tucked away lakeside in remote Massachusetts through Christmas. The only caveat is that he would like Grace to be a member of the trip and would really appreciate the both of them being open to the opportunity of getting to know her better. None too pleased about the request, the children do their best to drag their feet considerably, even miserably. However, without much of a choice and sympathetic to their father's wishes, they do eventually concede and agree to the terms. So we take the trip. Once at the vacation destination, Richard is called into taking some time away from the trip to attend to his work in the city. He's fairly excited about this development, as now Grace and the kids will have a small stint of time to bond together in his absence. As Grace genuinely tries to break through the seemingly impenetrable wall Mia and Aiden have put up, nothing comes easy for her at all. 
There are constant reminders of the family's previous life with Laura. Even harder, as the children's cold demeanor makes things considerably difficult for as things progress, a wild blizzard takes shape, leaving the three trapped and completely isolated from the outside world. Soon, very odd happenings transpire. Very odd. Unexplainable things. Is Grace being too sensitive? Are the kids attempting to further alienate and unnerve Grace with petty practical jokes? Or are there other factors at play here? Tensions mount. And with the disjointed unit's unhappiness factor at an all-time high, Grace's past soon comes floating back to the surface. How will she confront her well-hidden past? Will anybody escape the lodge? All right, so the tagline to the film is, You're not welcome here. The Lodge has been co-directed by very talented Severin Fiala and Veronica Franz. They also co-wrote this along with Sergio Koski uh, that got a writing credit on this film. And uh, their filmography kicks off in 2018 with The Field Guide to Evil, which is a feature-length anthology film. Um, and then they co-directed um, 2014's Goodnight Mommy, which is outstanding. So uh, so that kind of rounds that out. And what I wanted to do is then segue into uh, the casting's major billing. So in no particular order, I'll start with the father, uh, Richard Hall, who was played uh, by Richard Armitage. And he's got a really interesting filmography. Um, he starred in Netflix TV series, animated TV series, Castlevania. Uh, which was released in 2017. It's ongoing. Um, and this this show is absolutely fantastic. It's so, so good. I'd highly recommend checking this out. I, I'm absolutely in love with it, uh, as you can probably tell. So he stars as the voice of uh, one of the main leads in Trevor Belmont. And uh, he does a fantastic job with that. Uh, notably, he was also in the very uh, fantastic TV series Hannibal, uh, which ran from 2013 to 2015 um, as Francis Dollarhide. And I'm really not sure, you know, what happened with that show and, and why it didn't continue on further. Uh, it's a shame, but man, if you get a chance to check that out too, um, it's really, really outstanding. It's uh, it's definitely worth a watch. So I'll round this out then. Uh, he starred in Peter Jackson's 2012 smash hit The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, as Thorin. So really interesting filmography. Um, a lot of great roles there, and uh, he plays them all uh, very, very well. So next I'll talk about uh, the daughter then, Mia Hall, who's played by Leah McHugh. Um, and she starred in a uh, 2018 TV series, American Woman, as Jessica Nolan. Uh, next on the list I have Hulu's uh, 2018 series. Uh, it's ongoing uh, TV series, Into the Dark. Uh, she plays Maggie Singer. And that's a horror anthology series uh, where each episode is inspired by a holiday, which is a really neat thing. So if you get a chance to check that out, definitely worth it. Um, next on the list, I have the son, uh, Aiden Hall, who is played by the very talented Jade Martell. Now, Aiden starred in Anthony Muschietti's uh, 2017 feature, It and It Chapter 2, insanely popular as Bill. Uh, those are wonderful, obviously. I don't know too many people that haven't seen those at this point, but uh, yeah, that, there's that. So moving then, then down to uh, Theodore Melfi's 2014 feature, uh, he starred in St. Vincent as Oliver opposite Bill Murray. And then uh, third on the list, I have Jeff Nichols' 2016 feature, Midnight Special, 
as he played Alton. So rounding out the casting then, I'm going to move up to Grace. Grace is played by the very talented Riley Keough. Notable about that, uh, and I mentioned this in my previous uh, podcast episode where I did the review on Lars von Trier's 2018 feature, The House That Jack Built. Uh, She played Simple there. An interesting side note, she was born to musician uh, Lisa Marie Presley and Danny Keough. She's the eldest grandchild of legendary singer Elvis Presley. So next on her filmography, I'll jump down to David Robert Mitchell's 2018 and very, very good Under the Silver Lake. Uh, She plays Sarah there. And man, what a cool film. If you get a chance, I had noticed this also in the previous podcast, but man, great, great film. It's a lot of fun. It's so wild. It's so weird. It's all over the place. It's so much fun. Uh, Definitely, if you get a chance to give that a a shot, uh, I would highly advise it. And uh, and so anyway, I'll round out uh, her top three then. She played in uh, Trey Edward Schultz's 2017 feature, It Comes at Night, and she plays Kim. All right, so the runtime on this film is 108 minutes, uh, which rounds out we have an hour and 48 minutes of just pure insanity. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and segue into uh, the notables here, things I really liked about this film. And I'm going to start with a with a footnote here. Uh, to me, in regards to Grace's background with her past childhood spent with a referenced cult, uh, it seems wholly influenced by, if not identical to, Heaven's Gate, of which uh, 39 members also committed mass suicide in a communal house, um, each member found with shrouds covering their upper torsos. So I have to say the documentarian-style footage shown in this movie representing this was just downright unnerving. It was absolutely terrifying. So uh, so that was really cool. Uh, next, I wanted to point out, so uh, this film, to the credit of Fial and Franz, is an exhaustingly brutal ride through family dysfunction, loss, grief, and how that plays on the dynamic. Every shot, every word uttered, Every note of eerie soundscape played, the religious continuity throughout the cabin has been constructed expertly as if to build this slow rolling sense of discomfort and pit the viewer with this ever-growing sense of uneasiness, just punishingly hard to take as attention pushes its characters to the brink of sanity, and then it snowballs satisfactorily into horror. The general atmosphere here is so tense and bleak Throughout the large cabin, the walls feel like they're inching closer in on its inhabitants right before our eyes. The interior is so maddeningly dark. Every angle of the house is so tight to those moving through it, almost as if to surely suffocate them. Even under better life circumstances, I do not know how each would have persevered this day without literally climbing up the walls. Then the storm hits. The snow makes things much, much worse. Cabin fever has nothing on this family. And there's so much paranoia in being closed in by the snow at this point. What plays out seems a clever nod to Carpenter's classic, The Thing, in that way. Would also state for the record that there are parallels to the same from Kubrick's The Shining, as well as in the mental faculties of its main characters unraveling. So there's that. Um, The performances are an extremely strong point of this movie. Uh, the kids' characters feel natural and genuine. They really do. Um, there's a point where Mia is shown earlier in the film, post her mom's funeral, and she's in her bedroom, 
and she's so swept up intensely in grief, just sobbing inconsolably in her bed, unwilling to participate in any basic form of life function. You can't help but just fall apart with her. And then her brother walks in, Aiden. He walks into the room. He lays his blankets and his pillow down on the floor underneath her, reaching up ever so sweetly once he's down on the floor to provide her his hand, comfort. All the while, the father looks on helplessly. If he doesn't feel like the world's smallest standing father, I'd be absolutely shocked. It just crushes you to be on a fly on the wall watching. I was very impressed with Riley Keough's performance in Grace as well. Uh, she's so fragile throughout the film, and her descent is nothing short of noteworthy. There's a scene further along in the movie once Grace uh, has been left to care for the kids while Richard is attending to his work in the city. I would like to take a closer look at a scene between Grace and Aiden in particular. It's quite good. Aiden has been pretty intent on giving Grace a silent treatment and generally being outwardly cruel despite Grace's attempts to warm up with Aiden and build some sort of neutral ground with the intent at friendliness at the very least. After weird and somewhat disturbingly creepy uh, previous bathroom interaction between the two, in the ensuing discord Aiden is doling out readily, Grace finally takes the proverbial gloves off and gives Aiden a piece of her mind. So let me cue this up and we will take a closer look here in just one second. I'm making a sandwich, Aiden, if you want one. Aiden? I'm making a sandwich if you want one. I'll make my own. I think we need to have a conversation, Aiden. What? I just feel like things are very uncomfortable between us and I, I just wanted to know if there's something I can do to make, make that better or what, what your problem is. Hormones. Okay, I feel like there's something you're not saying to me or I just want you to know that I, I'm here if you want to talk to me about anything. Why would I talk to you? Because we're stuck in a house together. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't mean stuck. I meant I'm, we're in a house together. I want to be in the house. I mean, I didn't mean, I didn't mean that. I just meant it would be a lot better, I think, for both of us if we could talk. I don't want to talk to you. You don't want to talk to me? Okay. You don't want to talk to me. You just want to watch me in the shower. <laughs> you don't have anything to say to me. I just wanted to try and make things better. All right, so hopefully you enjoyed that. And that was a really wonderful scene between Riley and Aiden and very, very, very good stuff. So the movie's just full of that. Uh, so anyway, so segueing to my next point, uh, my only tick with the film is the progression of Grace's character. I spoke earlier of the reference to Kubrick's The Shining, specifically Jack Torrance's grip on reality and dissension into absolute darkness and madness. I feel like uh, this was the intended evolution that was attempted to be achieved here in the Lodge. So my reservation 
is that Kubrick meticulously depicted an expert pacing of Jackson Raveling, and we invest all in on that as a result. The same cannot be said here for Grace's character. I felt that evolution, although definitely adequate, was still too top-heavily weighted towards the tail-end climax of the film. It didn't take me out of the film per se. However, I wish it would have been more evenly balanced throughout the film, more of the film dedicated uh, to its detail and inner workings. My buy-in would have been that much more absolute, and I would have been totally destroyed as a result by the end of this film. Though as is, it left me only injured, limping away instead. If there's a longer cut of this film that might improve this element, I don't know. If so, man, I'd really love to see it. So moving away from that, the filming locales and set designs were hauntingly stunning. This film is beautiful in every way, and it's, it really does hit its intended mark and painfulness expertly. Every choice is spot on there. As unrelenting as this film was, and even with my own internal tick with Grace's evolution just stated, I was still an absolute wreck watching it. By the near end, I could not keep myself in my seat, and that counts for a lot. This movie is very impressive. I look forward to seeing what comes next for Fiala and Franz. Count me all in on that. All right, so let me jump into my recommendation overall. Uh, the rewatchability is moderate. Um, it's really pretty good that way. Uh, the fun satisfaction factor is moderate to high. Uh, I feel there's a lot to like here. Uh, the scare factor is definitely moderate to high. Uh, this movie had me freaked out every inch of the way, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, I was squirming and jumping out of my seat constantly, uh, so definitely notable. Um, the, psych, the psych factor is unmistakably high um, in every way. It just puts you on the edge of your seat and you're just hanging on for the for dear life you know it's it's quite cool that way so in the end of this movie is just absolutely bonkers it's just really really wild stuff and it's it's great it's really satisfying so uh overall my recommendation is uh i think this one is definitely worth checking out so uh so let's seek this one out and where we can find this film it's currently streaming on hulu at the time of this podcast it's also streaming on Amazon Prime Video, so you can rent or buy this in standard definition or high def on VOD. Uh, we also have physical media there, so there's a Blu-ray and a DVD formats available. And, uh, and so anyway, that's where we're at. So uh, to wrap up the episode, hopefully you've enjoyed episode 8. If you've not done so, please feel free to subscribe to the show and share this with friends and family you know. A positive review will always help the show out tremendously. It helps get the show out to more people. Separately, you can also find the show via social media on Twitter at SLTH underscore podcast, on Instagram at SLTH dot podcast. You can also track the show via the Patreon website at patreon.com. All right, again, thank you for listening. Excited to bring you next week's review. Until then, stay curious, stay scared, take care of yourself, and I will talk with you all next week.